Hey guys, and welcome to episode seven of the OG of the HRC way. I am the OG of the HRC. Welcome to the to the new year, 2020. I like the sound of that, 2020. Uh, maybe it's because it's a presidential election year. <laughs> I like the sound of that, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll get more into that later. I just wanted to say today is just going to be me. Um, I'm writing solo, just the OG of the HRC. Um, we do have tons of fun guests in the works right now um, in the next few weeks, the next month. Uh, the one thing that we're going to try to do is try to give you guys more content because that seems to be something you're wanting, which makes us excited because it means you're liking what you're hearing. So um, that's what we're going to try to do. So this is going to be kind of like an OG of the HRC rant. For those of you who follow us on Twitter, the OG of the HRC way, and those who follow on my personal account OG of the HRC. I've been doing these like two minute, two minute, 20 second videos just of me talking about what's going on in the news and just sort of how I personally felt about it. And the response seems to be pretty strong. So that's what this episode is kind of going to be. I'm just going to be talking about things that uh, maybe should be talked about more or, or just in a different way or what the media is not covering properly, in my opinion all my opinion, of course. So I'm just going to jump right into it here and talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, if you're a Democrat, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're a Republican, you're enjoying every second of what's going on. So let's talk about AOC. Now, uh, a lot of people in my generation, I'll say, um, have sort of become enamored by her and think that she's this uh, progressive princess who's going to save us all. And I am here to simply say she's not. And the latest story about AOC is that uh, she's raised personally about $1.4 million. And so in that case, what happens and when you raise a large number like that is you have these things called the democratic dues. And she's supposed to be paying about $250,000 to put into the sort of the war chest to help down ballot ticket to uh, help us keep the house. And she's refusing to do that and she has no shame about that. And she has these little issues constantly, some turn into larger issues, but with the Democratic Party as a whole. Now here's my take on it. If you're that unhappy with what's going inside this party that welcome you with arms wide open, if you're that unhappy, how about you go start a party of your own? And I'm dead serious with that. Go with Susan Sarandon and all of these others who, who constantly judge and have this sort of purity test that someone like FDR couldn't even pass and, and go away. Uh, and I mean, I am so dead serious because she's AOC's, if you're a Star Wars fan, you'll understand what I'm about to say. She's pretending she's the resistance, but really she's a mole for the First Order. And what I mean by that is that she is doing more damage to the Democratic Party than Republicans and Trump ever could because she's making us look so divided and so stupid at a time when we should be completely united. This girl is more concerned about her followers on Twitter than she is about having an office in her district because she doesn't have any offices in her district. She's never in her district. You can ask the people in the Bronx. She's never there. She's always off campaigning or being an activist somewhere else. And that's fine if you want to be an activist, but when you go to Congress, you're going there to try to pass laws. This woman has not passed and does, has not co-sponsored a single 
bill that's been passed in the house. There's 400 bills that have been passed in the house and her name is not on a single one. And she makes all of these demands and criteria. And it's absolutely insane considering that we're in a moment now where the party has to be united to beat this guy. And by causing all of this chaos and confusion and disruption, she's just feeding the Republicans and Fox News and all of those just so much ammo. And I'm just, I'm done with it. So AOC, please go start your own party, which is deep down what I think she's really trying to do. I think that she's trying to gain as much money and as much followers as she can so her and the rest of her crew can go. And that's, I am 100% okay with that because I'm over this purity test, like I said, that FDR couldn't even pass or Kennedy couldn't pass or Linda B. Johnson, who signed the Civil Rights (laughs) Act into law, couldn't even pass. So I'm just, I'm over it. And I feel like a lot more people are too, but they're afraid because she's so quote unquote popular, but she's popular on social media. So, you know, she's too busy shouting the causes to actually ever intending to solve them. You know, she just wants clips to go viral with. So I get it, but let me just say this when the original women's movement happened um, from the 1800s on to 1919 when we finally got the right to vote by the time we got we're about to get the right to vote um, the part the women's movement had split into two groups a more progressive group and a more moderate group but at the end of the day they both showed up to Tennessee which was the final state to ratify they both showed up they did their own thing but they came together when it mattered and next thing you know we have the right to vote That's what should be happening right now. The fact that we're not coming together to say, okay, we'll deal with all of this after we beat Donald Trump, after we keep the House, after we win back the Senate, is just sort of, I just constantly question, like, what is your real purpose, AOC? Why why are you here? What are you doing? If anyone wants to read more about the Tennessee uh, women's movement, there's an amazing book called The Woman's Hour, and it's the great fight to win the vote. And it's remarkable, side note. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, I mean, they came together when it mattered most. You know, we are at war and we can't afford these little, I don't even know what to call it, but I, I'm just over it and I'm over the purity test. I've never been won over by AOC from the get-go. I thought, mm, I don't feel like this is going to be good. We've got a real pretty girl and she's got a lot of power that the media, the media, mind you, is giving her. You know, her her office, by the way, is right next door to Nancy Pelosi's, and yet she never goes knocking to ask for help or to say, like, let's work together or let's deal nothing. So there's there's more more going on here. So please go go start the Democratic Socialists or whatever you want to call yourselves, because I'm over it and I'm done moving on from that. And I don't want to talk about her anymore. This past week, Hillary Clinton has been cleared by the Justice Department. And most of you probably don't even know that because no one in the media except for Rachel Maddow, covered this story. And I mean, she was cleared to a point where the Justice Department said, Trump's Justice Department, mind you. For two years, they've been investigating Hillary to try to find something, anything, that they can kind of pin on her. And they found nothing. And that's a big, big deal. It clears her of all all the email situation, the, the uranium deals, all of that. And Rachel Maddow was the only one who had the cojones to go on her program last night and call out the New York Times. She basically said that the New York Times spends all this time talking about this, that, or the other during the election, about what Hillary possibly did wrong, or maybe did wrong, or sort of did wrong. And yet, she says, you can't even give her a page three article to say that her name was cleared. And that goes for everyone else, too. No one was talking about this. 
This was a huge deal. I mean, again, Trump's Justice Department, Trump, the guy who constantly shouts, lock her up. They couldn't find anything. So it's just it's a constant um, portrayal of, of how the media, the media that the extreme left again says that is lined up with Hillary Clinton. No, they're not. They, they could they could care less. All they care about is trying to get Hillary Clinton. And uh, so they couldn't again. So they they pretend to move on. But I mean, Andrea Mitchell, where were you all during the election? It was Hillary in her emails, Hillary in her emails and Hillary's under investigation and nothing yesterday. Just Maddo. Maddo was the only one. So Rachel Maddo, thank you very much for helping to clear Hillary Clinton's name. And uh, once again, couldn't find anything because there's nothing there. Uh, yeah, so speaking of going into uh, 2020 and the election, so we pretty much at this point, the polls are leading to uh, we are going to settle for a mediocre man to take on Donald Trump. And what I mean by that is, listen, I love Uncle Joe. I really do. I think that he is a good father. I think he's a good husband. I think he was a great senator, and I think he was a great vice president especially for a president like Barack Obama. He came in and he helped him quite a bit, and they were a good team. However, he's not, <laughs> he's not presidential material, and everyone is just settling, and I get it. Like, what are we going to do in this situation? But how did we go from being the party that nominated a black man and then nominated a woman, and now we're going backwards to a mediocre man? And I'm just sort of, perplexed by this obsession with, you know, the early states of Iowa and uh, New Hampshire. And I'm here to tell you, and this isn't trying to tell people to not vote, please vote in the primaries. However, Iowa and New Hampshire is not the face of the Democratic Party. If you want to talk about South Carolina and Nevada, where there's people of color, then we can talk about the importance. But Iowa and New Hampshire of course, someone like Bernie Sanders is going to win in Iowa or New Hampshire. I mean, he speaks their language. And the core of it is everyone, every candidate is struggling with the black vote. Uh, Joe Biden's doing okay. He's, not do, he's definitely not as strong as Hillary or Barack Obama, obviously. But he's doing okay. And the black vote is key, is absolutely key to get, a, to get the nominee over the finish line. I believe if we go... The, the stance that we're going right now, it is going to be a contested convention and it is going to be a bloody mess. I believe we will not have a nominee first or second ballot. I, I think that this will turn into a two-day roll call. That'll just be ugly. And I know from experience that 2016 Democratic Convention was ugly enough. Um, we had Bernie Sanders supporters who were, I mean vile and to a point where they had to be kicked out after Hillary extended the olive branch, gave Bernie basically the first whole day, which had never been done before. And he wanted to do the, the roll call. He wanted to go last and he he wanted to uh, just the craziness, the demands that were made. And it's still again, it's this purity test of never enough. And uh, so this Democratic convention will be even more chaotic. And I just think I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no candidate. Um, I have, you know, like I said, I genuinely enjoy Uncle Joe. I um, I really like Amy Klobuchar quite a bit. 
I think she's a straightforward kind of gal, and she's the remarkable senator. I mean, she has more bills passed than any other senator, uh, Republican or Democrat, on the Hill. But they all struggle with that black vote, and they don't know how to reach out. They don't. You can't just. You can't force a relationship to happen when it hasn't been there for years. And the reason why the Clintons do so well with black voters, even after I know some of you are probably like, oh, the super predator comment, <laughs> even after the crime bill, even is because they've had a 20 plus history with them and have shown up for them and have been there. And the rest of these candidates, they don't have that. And that should be worrisome. What's going on right now should should worry a lot of people. And um, I'm just speaking from experience and standing back. This is the first time that I'm really able to just sort of stand back and just observe a presidential election and the primaries and how it's all coming out. Um, and I just think we're, we're in for a world of hurt and uh, no one wants to say it. And the truth is, is that there's weaknesses in each one of these candidates that Donald Trump will go after. And the way he goes after people, candidates, is something I've never seen before. And the way that he's able to get away with it is some is a whole other level. Um, but something like, and I'm not just, this isn't me like picking on someone. This is just me being blunt into the truth. Something like Elizabeth Warren and her issue with telling the truth. Now, I know, we all know that Donald Trump is a pathological liar. But here's something I hate to break to y'all. They don't care. The media doesn't care that he's a liar. They pretend to care. And I'll get more into that in a minute. But they don't care. But with someone like Elizabeth Warren, where she had this issue with the Native American situation, which, yeah, you know, her flip-flopping, her the, he's going to go after her. And he's going to go after her hard on that. And the way she handled the Native American situation, whatever one thinks of it, I believe it wasn't, it, it wasn't kosher. And she sort of wants to move on from it. And it's, um, let me just give an example here on why the Native American issue is sort of a, uh, could be potentially a very big issue in the general. Um, I grew up and I knew that my dad was Mexican, but I didn't from his mom's side, but I didn't know what his dad's side was. Um, we never knew. My dad left home when he was 17 years old, but he knew that his mom's side was born in Mexico, the whole deal. So I never once when I've ever applied or gone, pushed the Hispanic checkmark. Because I've never known if I'm 25%, 50%. I never knew what I, what I was. And I didn't want to claim to be something that I wasn't. And on my mom's side, I've been told my whole life that my great-great-grandmother was Native American, um, tribe Native American, full-blown, the whole thing. But again, no one in my family ever checkmarked to benefit from being Native American because we weren't sure. I took the DNA test, the uh, 23andMe last year. And I found out that I am 49.9% Mexican. So now I could, know, knowing what I know, I can check off that box. I could have benefited personally in my life from checking off that box. But I didn't because it wasn't the right thing and I didn't know for sure. So I can understand Elizabeth Warren saying, I'm Native American because my family told me I'm a Native American. Totally understand that. Totally agree. But it's one thing to say that you're Native American um, just to people in general and say that you have Native American cheekbones and the whole thing. Uh, but it's a whole other thing to benefit, which she did. When she was a professor at Harvard, she benefited. They said the first woman of color professor. I mean, I'm so, like th there's an issue there and she kept going with it 
um, until she took the DNA test. And here we are. We find out she has next to no Native American in her. So it's an issue like that that Donald Trump can use and manipulate and twist. And what's crazy is that people will vote for the crazy they know versus the crazy they don't. So they know that this is who Donald Trump is. He's never made any qualms as to being anything other than who he is. He's made it very clear that he's he treats women in a horrific way. He's made it very clear that, you know, he's been married multiple times. He's all about hot women. He's all about, you know, uh, he doesn't care that he lies. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. But with Elizabeth Warren, see, the problem that he could twist is that she's got caught in the lie and she tried to sort of backtrack away from it instead of just owning. And, you know, it took her about a month and a half to really own that. So though that's just one example of how he could get out across this and and win this thing and i'm sorry but people he can win this thing you know we can't take anything for granted we can't take these candidates a candidate like joe biden i'm sorry as ridiculous as i personally think the ukraine thing is with hunter biden and joe biden there's a story there that donald trump will create with the power of the media and the power of social media and the power of his own base and the power of let's just say maybe foreign entities uh, bots, we can call them. And they will turn they will turn this story into just like they did with the Hillary Clinton email story. At the end of the day, there's no there there, but it doesn't matter. It's the perception. And that is what he's king of. He's the king of perception. And people don't care. So, I mean, that's just, you know, Bernie Sanders, the same thing. There's issues with Bernie Sanders, massive issues on his voting record in terms of war. Um, there's massive issues there and he could go after it and it could be an absolute disaster. Everyone's sitting around thinking that he doesn't have a chance and people learn from their mistakes. No, they haven't. <laughs> no, they really haven't. Again, if we do not have a united front and have a strong candidate who knows how to take him on in the proper way, not take him on by saying, oh, well, you were impeached and you were the... None of that matters to the American person. Let me just tell you that right now. It will be an absolute disaster. I am, I'm, I'm nervous that things go as planned. Um, we're still very, very, very early in this election. A lot can happen, but mistakes have been made and things have been allowed to go on for too long. And, uh, you know, and on top of that, the DNC is struggling money-wise. You know, Donald Trump has Mar-a-Lago to do a fundraiser, even if he's not there every single weekend, he's raking in half a million dollars. And we are struggling because we are not united. And, oh, I'm going to take this money and put it in this progressive, but only the progressives and not this. Bull. <laughs> We're at war. And, you know, it's just, it's absolutely wild to me what's going on. And, um, you know, and the big donors haven't even gotten into this race, by the, by the way. And, and let me just say these candidates who are saying <laughs> crazy things like, I'm not going to have a super PAC. And I, that is that is absolutely amazing. I applaud you. I genuinely do. I'm not being sarcastic. I genuinely do. However, again, we are going against a guy who is raising half a million dollars every weekend just for his campaign, and he hasn't even entered it yet. So until Citizens United is overturned, which must be overturned by the Supreme Court, everyone, by the way, I know everyone's like, oh, I'll do executive order and overturn Citizens United. You can't because it's a Supreme Court decision. It's not a law. It's a Supreme Court decision. So we have to overturn the Supreme Court decision. Uh, until that, it, this is where we are. 
right? I think it's amazing. Elizabeth Warren, you were trying to do this without super PAC money and you're like, check it. But please, please, honestly, this is no joke. We've got to win the war before we take on the battles, if that makes sense to people. Meaning we're already in war and we're in the biggest battle of our life. And you're, you're, you're all sitting over here thinking about these small little battles. And it's like, we can, we can conquer that once we win, keep the House, win back the Senate, and win the White House. Because here's another thing that people don't want to think about. And I actually did a video about this, um, and it was my most watched video. So thank you all. <laughs> it was about the Supreme Court. Right now, Donald Trump has replaced two members of the Supreme Court, uh, making the court five to four. Here's the truth, everyone. RBG cannot hang on very, I mean, for more than another, another term of, of a Republican president. She's trying all of her might. She's showing up in the middle of, of radiation to, to show up on the court, okay? She's doing everything she can, but she's not going to last forever. Then we have Justice Breyer, who's in his late 70s. Then we have Clarence Thomas, who we know of, I'm surprised he hasn't retired yet because he hates the job to begin with, but so those are potentially three more seats that Donald Trump, if he wins, can confirm. So he'll have a total of five justices on that Supreme Court. Truly think about that. Five Donald Trump justices. I don't know if you all have been paying attention, but he's got over 200 federal judges that he's confirmed now because Mitch McConnell's corrupt MFR and uh, he held back over 100 plus judges from Obama until after the election, along with the Supreme Court seat. So now Trump has filled in almost over 200 seats. A majority of these judges that he's confirmed, he's picked and confirmed, were literally considered unqualified by the American Bar Association, meaning they are not qualified to be judges. And yet they're federal judges, which is a lifetime appointments, which a lot of times leads to the Supreme Court. So we're talking about he's going to pick justices that are unqualified for the most important court of the land. That's how serious this election is. We cannot take this lightly and, and going at each other constantly with these purity tests is not going to solve that. I can't be any more blunt. This is about as serious as it gets. And the fact that RBG has to show up to court when she's battling cancer for the fourth time makes me so sick to my stomach. It didn't have to be like this. You know, I don't know how much longer she would have stayed on the court if Hillary had won, but I know she would have had the option to say, I'm done. And she doesn't have that option right now. Because all you third party voters and all of you who wrote in Bernie Sanders just couldn't bring yourself because you just thought Hillary, the corrupt Hillary is going to win anyways. Well, she didn't. And now her, her, her fate could be decided by Donald J. Trump, who represents everything that she fights. Everything that she fights, he represents. So I can't get any more uh, upset or angry about that. I mean, it literally keeps me up at night. The fact that this woman who has given everything to human rights is, you know, 86 years old and having to still hang on. So, I mean, honestly, it's just, I can't even, yeah, I can't even find the words. So that's just the blunt truth of the 2020 election. You know, we are at a point where, this is a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the new Star Wars yet. I apologize, but this is, this I can't express any other way except for this way. We're at a point where we feel alone and like the First Order has outnumbered and defeated us already. We're at that point where, you know, Poe's in the sky and he's like, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, I thought the resistance was going to come from around the galaxy. But fear not. Lando is coming with a crew of the resistance 
and we will finish this last battle. But we can only do it together, right? The resistance in Star Wars is people from all walks of different galaxies, right? And they come together for one cause. And that's where we're at. And then when the war's over, you go, okay, what do we got to do to fix this? What do we got to do? How do we work together? How do we, what, what do we disagree on? What do we not, you know, that's where we're at. But we can't, we can't start a war internally and then expect to win the big war. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, and by the way, I don't know who Lando is. I just was, <laughs> I have no clue who Lando is for us. But, uh, you know, that, that's just where I am. And um, so that's 2020. I mean, get your shit together, America. Democrats, get your shit together. You know, because we're, we're in it now. Iowa is, is a hop, skip, and a jump away. So, you know, get your shit together and know your ballot and know who you're going to vote for and know who you're going to fight like hell for. And if that candidate ends up not being the nominee, get your shit together and say, I'm going to vote for whomever it is. This election is bigger than your candidate whom you believe in. So that's, again, that's where I am for 2020. I hope I've informed some people and maybe help people wake up. I also want to talk about the power of Nancy Pelosi and her brilliance in handling this entire impeachment ordeal. It's so funny because still people think that like, you know, this last week, a couple senators, Democrat senators came out and said, oh, Pelosi needs to send the impeachment now. And if she did, and I just like, I watched Pelosi the next day and she's like, I'll send them when I want to send them. No one tells her what to do. She, she didn't become Speaker of the House two times over by by doing what other people tell her to do she she beats her own drum and what's so funny is watching this like love affair with everyone with her of how she can go from being the golden girl to oh my god she doesn't know what she's doing in literally less than 60 seconds (laughs) and I am just shocked I mean I'm not even shocked by it anymore because at the end of the day media doesn't enjoy her and they like get off anytime that they think she's made a a fumble and then they like praise her you know, two days later and pretend that the fumble never happened and they never said anything bad about her. But let me give you a prime example of how I feel like the media doesn't. So Nancy Pelosi has been Speaker of the House twice. She made history, obviously, the first time and the second time. But um, by being the first woman Speaker of the House, the third most powerful person in our government. And she didn't get the cover of Time magazine. Now, when Paul Ryan, uh, uh, Newt Gingrich, Bonner, all of them got it, they all got the cover. And Nancy Pelosi did not. She didn't get her first cover of Time magazine until 2018. And it was before um, she even became the speaker again. And then she now is on the cover. Um, It was like Nancy's Gamble or something like that on the cover. And it's a brilliant article. But still. So when this whole like progressive part of the party or whatever they want to call themselves, Democrat socialists, they come out and they say, oh, she's the golden child. And no, you guys are the golden child. Because the progressive part of the party, they bring the ratings. Nancy Pelosi is not the most like out there speaker. So when she goes on her her press conferences, she's not over the top. She doesn't say she's just straightforward. And that's boring. But the progressive unit, AOC, I will give her that girl knows how to put some sentences together to be viral where Pelosi doesn't. And so, I mean, Another example is when the media was trying to play it like Pelosi wasn't going to be the Speaker of the House again. And they just sort of, you know, were like giddy. They were so giddy. with Like, oh, they're going to take her on and they're going to. And I was like, no, they're not. No, they're not. You can't do that. No, like a dirty Nancy. Nobody puts baby in a corner. That's Nancy Pelosi. No one puts Nancy in a corner. So, I mean, we're talking about a woman who 
after losing the house, control of the house, um, after Obamacare had passed, going around and telling people, you know, if you vote for Obamacare, you'll probably lose your seat, but it's bigger than that. And they did it and they listened to her and they lost their seats and we lost the house very dramatically. Um, and we never gained it back under Obama. And she still kept the minority leader seat. And I mean, really think about it. We're talking about a woman who went around and told people, we're going to lose the house. We're going to lose the majority. But yet uh, <laughs> she still keeps, she still gets the votes to keep the minority seat. So when this happened, I thought, oh man, you guys never learn. You guys are all playing checkers and she's playing chess and she's about 10 moves ahead of y'all. You know, just like with this impeachment thing, you all demanded the impeachment, demanded the impeachment. She waited, she waited, and then she won in at the proper time. And now she's waiting and she's waiting again and she's playing chess. And the rest of you guys are still playing checkers. I mean, it's just so uh, amazing. And what, what's going to be funny is that when this all works out the way that I think it is, and the Senate is going to completely acquit him, um, which is a very, very good possibility, um, you guys are going to somehow in the media and the progressive unit are somehow going to blame Nancy Pelosi when she tried to tell you from the get-go, this is near impossible with Mitch McConnell at the seat. She did a really, really good job at holding back the articles of impeachment to try to get Mitch McConnell to move a little bit, which he never will. But she got the nation to move along with her. And there's a conversation happening now about what is an impeachment trial? What are we talking about here? Is she right? Like, is it going to be fair? Is it going to be clear? You know, we have Bolton now coming out saying that he wants to, um, if he's subpoenaed, he'll show up for the Senate trial. So, I mean, she did all of that solo because the rest of y'all doubted her. But um, I just think... You know, never doubt Nancy Pelosi because she's going to keep on kicking no matter what. And uh, she will out outweigh all the progressives, which she has been, by the way, because there's no legislation in their name. That's where I think we are. I think that we've got to get our shit together. We've got to stand united. We've got to realize that there is a much, much bigger picture here that it's at this point, I don't want to say that it's not about um, policy because it is. And I understand that. But also, at the same time, it's about we've we've got to handle our shit and, and we've got to be aware that it's about more than just winning back the White House, that we must keep the House, that how we won back the House was with moderate seats in red districts. And that is key. I think that, you know, we have a really good chance of winning back the Senate, which would be absolutely golden to take out Mitch McConnell, which he's up for re-election as well, by the way. And there's an amazing woman, um, Allie, who's running against him, and she's raising a good amount of money. Look it up, because taking him out would be astronomical for the Senate um, and the way things are run. But us winning back the Senate is just as important, because if we don't have the House and the Senate, or one or the other, and we win back the White House... We're going to be in the same situation. Trust that if it's Mitch McConnell still in the Senate and he's still the majority leader, that he will do everything in his power to stop whomever the president is. So it doesn't matter who it is. Nothing will get accomplished, just like he made no qualms and hid no the fact that he wanted to stop Obama and everything that he did. And, and he did for a lot, of the, a lot of the portions. So, I mean, just get your shit together and stop with this nonsense because... You know, progressives, I've absolutely have had enough and I'm not going to like hide it anymore. And I'm not going to be like, oh, well, no, like leave then. Please leave. If you're going to screw us over in the end, please leave because you're doing more damage than anyone else's and we can't afford it. Don't say progressives that you love RBG, by the way, if you're willing to continuously screw her over and over. So, 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's where we're at, America. That is where we're at. And by the way, Puerto Rico had another earthquake this morning, and no one seems to really be paying attention to that. But um, yeah, I think that Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. are way overdue for becoming states, by the way. They literally have taxation without representation. That alone is insane. You know, th- those are things that we should be talking about right now. But instead, we're fighting amongst ourselves. 2020 election is here we are. We're in it, folks. I hope that you've enjoyed the OG of HRC's rant. Hope you've learned something. You're going to research something. You're going to think twice before jumping the gun. And uh, haters, I don't apologize. All right, guys, until next time, this is the OG of HRC signing off. Mm-hmm.